Put industry leading, difference making, and tomorrow shaping on your to-do list. Explore Deloitte Technology Careers at Deloitte.com slash tech careers and engineer your future at Deloitte. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Today on the Huddle Up 2018 Draft Show, Carl and Nick predict their combined freaks and weeks. Look around the web at who currently is being mocked to the Denver Broncos and answer your draft questions from the mailbag. This is the Huddle Up 2018 Draft Show. Welcome to the Huddle Up Podcast, your go-to show for all things Broncos. Once again, Broncos country, it is time to huddle up draft style. I'm your host, Carl Dumbler, and with me as always, we have my co-host and good friend, Nick Kendall. Nick, how are you doing, man? I am doing pretty good. It was a little bit thought out this weekend, but now it's cold again, so a little bit irritated about that, but that's okay. And I'm getting excited. A week from today, I will be jumping in the car and driving across country, well, I guess across the Midwest, making my way to Indianapolis to cover the NFL Combine for CBS Sports and mile high huddle who are you looking most forward to interviewing i mean is that really a question Tavin. <laughs> I'm, kind of, I'm 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 pretty i'm i'm like trying to back off this week because the restraining order would be really upsetting you know like i'd be like <laughs> nick you can't cover the defensive line today because that's a double whammy because like not only do i not get to talk to Tavin, but then i don't get to talk to the defensive line so i'm i'm gonna be on my best behavior but after i see Tavin, you know all bets are off no, I'm not going to do anything crazy. I'm just going to scream his name multiple times at the top of my lungs. Okay, okay. Just so. just be hiding behind somebody when you do it, so then they get blamed. Oh, yeah, that's right. I don't know if you know uh, John Ledyard, but he's kind of a big guy. He's Not only is he like 6'3", six, 6'4", six, but he's like yoked, as the kids would say. So mm-hmm. I'll probably just like duck behind him. And he's, he's a Tavin hater, so I'll probably like – it'll be a double whammy. So I'll be, have a chance to yell at Tavin in a positive way, but then get John kicked out because he's – There a, you go. He said Tavin Bryan's not a first-round prospect, and – I mean, for every fit, he's a 3-4 guy for the Steelers, and they're more of a two-gap, hold the blockers, and then free up the linebackers type. Kind of very different style than the Broncos. So maybe that's why he doesn't like Tavid as much. But I'm, I'm a big fan still. And I, I, we got to move on. Obviously, we can't make this the Tavin Bryan draft show. As much as I've tried, Chad is not letting <laughs> that happen. So, But, yeah, I'm excited. The Combine's going to be fun. It's a good chance to see my sister. And I'm going there a day earlier this year, so I'm going to be able to do the offensive line as well. So... I'm excited. It'll be good. It's definitely a busy time when I'm there. I got to like pump out three articles a week and do the Facebook live and potentially hop on podcasts as well. So it's, it's a busy time. And then you got to work in family time as well. Cause you get to see the sister, but right. Right. It's, it's going to be fun. I'm excited. And it's just a heck, a heck of an opportunity. And I really, I really enjoy going to cover the combine for you listeners and my huddle. Well, we appreciate it. And I can't wait to, to hear everything that happens down there. And especially I'm just, I'm excited to hear some of the medical reports on some of these guys. And I'll get into some of those guys a little bit later here, but it's going to be, that's always a fun week because lots of rumors come out of that week too. 
So I'm sure you'll have your ear to the ground to, to hear anything maybe uh, a little unknown to the rest of the world and give it to us here at Mile High Huddle and, of course, our, our Huddle Up podcast. Yeah, absolutely. The thing is, a lot of people don't really understand this, I guess, or don't really think about it. But this is going to be a hot zone, a bunch of NFL personnel, you know, front office, coaches, everything. And there's going to be drinks involved for a lot of these people. And kind of like how it was the Senior Bowl, there's going to be a lot of new rumors and interesting information that comes out this upcoming week beyond the draft. You know, free agencies around the corner, trades, everything like that. And these guys, there's going to be some sources, there's going to be some information that gets out there, true or not, you know, we'll see when it comes down to it. But this is definitely going to be a, a cauldron of information that's going to come out just as an NFL hot zone. Yeah, it's it's one of those not well-kept secrets that the Combine is kind of the free-range zone to talk about anything and not really get into trouble for it. I mean, teams are still pretty protective of how they go about it, but everybody knows it's going on. People are talking contracts, what each side wants, even before we get to the legal tampering period. So, yeah, it's it's a, it's a big, big week in the NFL, way beyond what's happening on the field. And honestly, what's happening on the field might be the the least important thing, honestly, in the very end. But maybe behind we'll, we'll, the uh, media interviews, which is yeah. what I get to cover. <laughs> but <laughs> the team interviews are big. Obviously, the medicals are gigantic. And then you have the field drills and then you have the media interviews. And obviously, if a guy is like a total jerk and just distant and not engaged, that's going to be an issue because they're going to have to deal with the press constantly in the NFL. But that's probably the, I would say that's probably the least important thing as far as information comes. But as somebody who's going to be making some articles from my interviews and everything, I still enjoy the opportunity and I will not complain at all because it's, it's really cool just to be right there in the, the thick of everything. Right. Yeah. No, like I said, I'm very, very excited to hear everything that happens down there for you. But before we get into everything with that, well, I just want to let all of our listeners know the Huddle Up 2018 Draft Show's focus is all things pertain to your Denver Broncos as it relates to the upcoming NFL Draft. With Nick and myself being Draftaholics, we'll be bringing you fresh insight and analysis each and every week in every single episode from scouting reports, player value, scheme and personnel fits, and draft-related banter. You can follow myself on Twitter at CarlDumblerMHH as well as follow Nick at NickKindleMHH. And be sure to tweet us any questions or opinions you have because we live for talking Bronco football. You can also follow the podcast Twitter account at HuddleUpPod. And make sure you check out ours and our co-writers' written content at MileHighHuddle.com, a part of Scout.com, an affiliate of the CBS Sports Digital Network. We know you listeners are as football draft and Bronco crazy as we are. So please give us a click and subscribe to us on iTunes, as well as Stitcher. And don't forget to share us on Facebook and Twitter. We wouldn't be here today without you listeners. So as a call to action, please go and take the time to go to iTunes or Spreaker to rate and subscribe to let your voices be heard on how you enjoy our show. Well, let's just get right into this of, of with you getting ready to head to the Combine. Every year, there's those guys that are big-time risers, big-time fallers, all because of what happens at the, at the Combine. And people kind of get wrapped up in their numbers, which, I mean, it's... It's an athletic league, and if you have a guy that's a little bit more athletic than the other guys, it gives you a little bit of an advantage at times. And so but let's just go ahead and start with some of the, the freaks that we think are going to come out of this next combine, the guys that are really going to rise up boards because they're going to really make a name for themselves with some numbers. Yeah, and before we get to that, I just want to say that you definitely touched on it, that these these numbers do matter, but they aren't the end-all, be-all. It's more about guys passing certain thresholds. That's the big thing when it comes to these measurements. You know, if a guy is too slow to be that press man corner that you need, or 
the guard or slash tackle measures in too short, you know, not long enough arms, and they're going to have to move inside at the NFL, potentially a guy like Connor Williams. That could happen to him if he measures sub-33 arms. So it's, it's those thresholds that matter. But, I mean, obviously, you know, you're going to be able to stack up guys against each other when it comes to the metrics. But as long as they're not, you know, putrid, it's not really an issue. And it should come more, or your evaluation should be based 80% more on the tape. You know, obviously, right. if they're really just like Dalvin Cook last year, we saw him on you know a very short amount of time, but his his he had a horrible combine performance, but his tape was still fantastic, and he looked fantastic playing for the Vikings. I honestly think it was more of a character and uh, durability issue when it came to Dalvin Cook sliding all the way to the Vikings. But yeah, I mean, obviously, it's going to separate the men from the boys, and a athletic freak is more likely to succeed in the NFL. I mean, it's a league where bigger, faster, and stronger guys beat up ones beat up on guys who are not as big, fast, or strong but you don't want to be like the Raiders where you're just basting your draft board on the combine or like back in the Al Davis days. (laughs) I was about to say that the Al Davis days were the only team that really had a hundred percent combine mattered above everything else kind of team. It it was just ridiculous how often the numbers at the combine mattered to them above all other teams. And well, obviously led to them being pretty much on the level of the Cleveland Browns for quite a few years there. Yeah. Just, just really, really not good. So I kind of miss those days. Those, those were the fun days. It's good to have the Raiders be solid, and you know it's easier to hate when they are a viable threat. But it was also fun when they were the punching bag. I really loved giving the black hole a hard time. <laughs> yeah, they are the craziest fans, I think, in, in the NFL. I don't know how many times I'd have Raider fans tell me every year during that horrible streak that they were Super Bowl bound, that somehow their athletic freak that they got in the draft – was going to take them from worst to, to first in the NFL. And every year to see them let down, that was just a, a, a true joy as a Broncos fan. But let's go ahead and get into our freaks and, and weeks here, as, as you like to call them. And let's start with a couple of your freaks. Who are guys that you're really excited to see at this combine really bust out? Again, a quick aside. Sorry, I'm just terrible about this. You said the biggest crazy fan base, the Buffalo Bills, sir. Oh, man. Okay, yeah. To see (laughs) them out there. Yeah, what was it, 20 years, 22 years since they've been to the the playoffs? And And yet they... Folding tables, RIP. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Okay, I gotta gotta give you them, too. All right, yeah, just just wanted to throw it out there, because the Bills fans, you guys are insane. I know none of them are probably listening, but cuckoo, loco, whatever. But anyway, back to the freaks and weeks. I kind of was coming up with a, a more clever name here and i wanted to get you know obviously everyone does studs and duds and i like to call the guys who are height weight speed guys freaks i mean that's not i guess that's not a revelation a lot of people do that but i don't want to call the other guys geeks i feel like i'm a geek so that would be offensive to me so i'm going to call them weeks but starting off with the guys who i personally expect to blow up the combine from a height weight speed testing you know measurement perspective my first guy i have a lot of defensive guys that's kind of a lot of time where the the better athletes play in the nfl and my first guy is an edge rusher from the University of Georgia, Lorenzo Carter. Listed at six foot six, two hundred and forty-five pounds. He had some just outstanding numbers in high school. He ran about a four six forty when he was a senior in high school, which for a guy that size is pretty, pretty darn good. I, I think I would expect him to run about a four five here. And he also does amazing job with the uh, explosive drills, which such as the vertical jump and the long jump. So I think Lorenzo Carter is a guy who not many people have him super high on their draft radar right now, 
But in this draft class, which I think is pretty soft at edge rusher, you know, you have Bradley Chubb and then there's a massive drop off in my opinion. I could see Carter just destroying the combine and moving his way up to that back end of the first round. Uh, His tape is a little bit more Jane than Tarzan right now. I mean, you see the tools, you see the athleticism. He can play in space. He can bend that corner. He's got a good first, uh, first step off the edge, but he doesn't, he's always, you know, he's relied on that athleticism instead of developing moves. So it's going to be a little bit of development process, but I think he's going to get to the combine and the underwear Olympics. People are going to see that size moving like he does not only in the drills, but in the, not only in like the speed drills, the three cone, the shuttle, the 40 yard dash, but also in the coverage drills as well, where they're having him slide and, you know, follow the football. The coaches will point to the left and you see him slide to the left, point to the right, slide to the right. And then he finishes it on home. I think Carter is going to look really well moving around. And I would, not be surprised if he moved up to the top 40 to many people's draft boards after the combine. Good choice. I My first guy that I went with is a pretty obvious one that some people have really at least hyped him up a little bit to the Broncos. And I went with a, a linebacker as well here, but an off-ball linebacker in Raquan Smith of Georgia. And it's just so easy to see his athleticism on tape. The guy just flies all over the field. I, I've seen him run the wheel route just perfect with every running back out there. It wouldn't shock me to see him run in that four five four five five range for a for a linebacker. I think his numbers size wise are going to be huge for him at the combine. You've talked about it on here that you don't think that he's quite that that size that weight that you're hoping for at that three four inside linebacker position. Eric has disagreed with you that he's heard he's been anywhere from like two thirty to two forty. Is that right? Yeah, he was listed on Georgia's depth chart, which normally those people kind of over exaggerate the size like teams will say oh you know classic last year was a uh, texas with dante foreman they said he was 6'3 250 pounds and he shows up at the combine and he's 6'1 220 so a lot of times those teams lie about it and to have him listed what was it six foot six foot one 220 pounds that definitely gives me a little bit of pause and then you pair that with his tape which i mean obviously sideline to sideline is great his fluidity is amazing uh he's great in coverage and his instincts are probably as good as any linebacker in this class maybe Josie Jewell's up there as well but it, you put that in a much more athletic package and I I'm a big fan but I do worry about his size because he can get engulfed by blockers and when you're playing with three down linemen instead of four especially in a one gapping scheme you, that linebacker is going to be asked to take on offensive linemen more often in my opinion and that's just that's a concern with Roquan right so that that size wise will will matter big time but the drills wise he's just going to blow people away he's going to finish probably in the 95 percentile for his position in pretty much every drill. So I'm excited to see him run. I think he's just going to cement himself as that top 10, top 12 pick after the combine. I mean, he's pretty much already there. He's there now, but he'll just cement it all the more. Yeah, I I agree with you. I'm really excited to see him in those shuttle drills and the 40 or the three cone drill. He, I think he'll run pretty well at the 40 yard dash. I don't know if he's going to jump out of the gym, but he just glides on the field. And I, I'm hoping that I'll get a chance to speak with him as well. I'm not sure about my, I'm not sure about my tactic this year. I might actually hit up a little bit more of the small, smaller school guys because you can get a little bit more intimate conversations with them. They have the side tables where you only have like two or three reporters, as opposed to the podiums where you have like 40 surrounding these kids. So we'll see. But I definitely have a few guys circled out, and depending on what some of the the listeners want to hear from the the combine or any of my Twitter followers or anybody on Mile High Huddle that will kind of determine where I go, but Roquan's one I'm very interested in. And I'm interested to see how he speaks as well. That's he's one that I, that linebacker guy often needs to be a 
a leader and well-spoken. And if you're taking a linebacker as high as the Broncos are picking, that guy is not only going to need to be great on the field, but he's going to need to be great in the locker room, handling the media, everything. I mean, he's going to become one of the faces of the defense. So how they handle themselves to the media, I know it's probably something that I would overrate a little bit because I'm going to be there. But I think that's a that's an aspect I'm interested in as well. And you know, you're talking about him as being a freak athletically. I can't disagree there. He's going to move pretty well on the field. Well, who's your next guy? We're going to stick with linebackers here. A guy that I've been high on for a long time. I knocked him to the Broncos in the preseason before he was getting that much hype. I saw a couple games of his from his sophomore season. I'm like, oh my gosh, this kid is a freak. How can you be this big and move this fast? Uh, six foot five, 250 pounds, listed for Virginia Tech. Tremaine Edmonds, the youngest player in the combine at 19 years old. And it has been widely reported that he is going to, quote unquote, jump out of the gym at Indy at the combine. He doesn't have the instincts that pair with Roquan Smith, but he is younger. I would say that he has a higher athletic upside. I think he's more versatile in terms of the linebacker positions he can play across the defense, given the size he plays and the athleticism he plays at. And I'm, I'm really excited to see how he moves. A guy that size moving like he does is tremendous and i think i wouldn't be surprised if the raiders kind of did a a tribute to al davis and if he was there when the raiders are picking i I think that's a match made in heaven i would hate for them to to pick him that would be a very very sad day (laughs) because i i like him too i like both these inside linebackers and i'm hoping i'm hoping the raiders stay away from them i've seen uh vita via mock to them as much as i like him that's kind of the pick i'm hoping they make just because I don't think he's going to be as big of a star as some people have hyped him up to be. But that's just, that's just me. I, I don't know. I don't know how well Vita Villa's game translates compared. It just depends on the defense that he goes to where if you feel like Raquan Smith and Tremaine Edmonds, you can put them in most defenses and they're going to be very, very successful. Yeah. I think I agree with you. However, the thought of pairing a guy with his explosion and his size and strength, with Khalil Mack really intrigues me. That's true. That's true. But I just, that's kind of my thought on who I hope the Raiders kind of go to since they have that top 10, top 11 pick, depending on the coin flip. But my next guy, and and it's not because he's going to run out of the building in the 40 yard dash. Cause I've, I've heard he's probably going to be more of like a four or five kind of guy, but I'm, I'm excited to see DJ Moore run the, the three cone, the 20 yard shuttle, those kind of drills, because his first step quickness is off the charts. This guy I can get from zero to 60 in just about two steps kind of thing. I just, I love watching him t- on tape. I love watching him as a receiver. He is definitely in my top five. He will remain in my top five the rest of the time. Some of the other guys have kind of moved up and down on me, but he is the one guy that's been very, very consistent. I just, I love his game, and I'm just very, very excited to see what he can do here at the Combine. I like DJ Moore a lot as well. I feel like he's being slightly overhyped by draft Twitter right now. I get that he moves well. I don't know how great he will do in the intermediate to deep portion of the field. And I feel like for the Broncos specifically, you have to hope that Carlos Henderson fills that role, right? Like DJ Moore might be a little bit better version of Carlos Henderson, but if you're drafting DJ Moore round two or round three, I mean, are you giving up on Carlos Henderson? Is that it? I, I'm with you. I don't think the Broncos will take him because, like you said, they already have a guy that's very, very similar in skill set and what they like to do on the field. My thought with DJ Moore is if we get a guy like, say, Baker Mayfield, you need those quickness guys on the field. That's what he plays yeah. best with. That's what he's had at Oklahoma. So if you can get a Carlos Henderson and a DJ Moore on the field at the same time, 
that's a lot of quickness to have to try to cover. So that's my only way that I see maybe a good opportunity for him to be with the Broncos. But otherwise, like I said, Carlos Henderson, I'm hoping year two, he can really show something. He has to. (laughs) He was one of my favorite picks last year. I was hyping him up way before the draft. I was so excited. Kind of like, who was it that they picked picked that you really, really liked? I liked Carlos Henderson as well. That's right. Okay. Seems like there was another player that you were, I guess... Eric with, uh, yeah, <laughs> Eric with his love of of uh, the other Henderson. That's the way it was, yeah, with D'Angelo Henderson. My was my love for Carlos Henderson, so I, I was very very excited. And DJ Moore, I guess I just love that kind of skill set. Yeah, you know me, that's my kind of receiver. And so just to see him at the the combine, kind of show his quickness. I don't know. I, I'm just really hoping the Patriots don't take him because I think that would be a match made in heaven for them. Yeah, I could see that. I could also see him going to a team like the 49ers where they use that guy a fair amount and, you know, that Kyle Shanahan West Coast offense. Whew, that would be nice with Jimmy G. I totally would think that's a good fit. I like DJ Moore. I, there are some questions, but, you know, he's an interesting guy for sure. As far as pairing a guy with Baker Mayfield, my pick for that for the wide receivers, give me Christian Kirk. I, I would be okay with that too. Yeah. I just think possibly, I think DJ Moore is probably going to go more in that third fourth round area, just a, a feeling that I have right now where Christian Kirk, he's probably going to go that second round. So I feel Maybe like you get better value possibly with more. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. Just throwing out an ideal fit. I think uh, Kirk, because he also offers some straight line speed that I don't see with more, you know, the, the big play ability more is more of a miss, make a guy miss, make a guy miss, make a guy miss. And then hopefully you got 15, 20 yards where Kirk 80 yards anytime. But no, I, I totally agree with you there. My next guy here, I'm, I almost put one of the guys from this school as a week, but I didn't because I'm biased, and I'm going to try to not be biased here with my freaks, but I think James Daniels is going to test extremely well at the center and guard position compared to his peers in the interior offensive line. James Daniels, I think, is probably the most athletic interior offensive line. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Welcome to America, the land of junk sleep, where it's bedtime, but you're double booked. Here, there's always one more deadline to meet, episode to watch, or meme to share. The world may not want you to sleep, but we do. Only the sleep experts at Mattress Firm can help you find the right bed at the right price. Unjunk your sleep. In store or online at mattressfirm.com today. In this class, in terms of his movement ability, at the University of Iowa, he was definitely the key cog along that offensive line. And he does an okay job squaring up with guys one-on-one, but where he makes his hay is moving laterally and moving forward. Iowa likes to run a lot of zone stretch. They use that as, I guess, their bread and butter to the entire offense, and everything else kind of comes off of that. You know, the bootleg off the zone stretch. Gary Kubiak would be proud. But James Daniels, his ability to get to the second level and combo block and reach linebackers or you know move laterally in the zone stretch or even in some power schemes 
where he is asked to not only snap the ball with a quarterback under center, but then get out wide in lead block for the running back outside the hash marks is incredible. And I, I think James Daniels, I think, I think right now I'm trending to have him be my number two interior offensive lineman in the entire class because he's not pigeonholed, I don't think, to center. I think he can play guard as well. And he's just 20 years old, so he has sky-high potential, and I think he's going to test extremely well athletically, and I'm really excited to see how he does at the Combine. I remember in one of our mock drafts we did with a group of people picking the whole first round. I can't remember which team you, you mocked him to, but but you mocked him in the first round, and a bunch of people were like, who is this guy? Are you kidding? And <laughs> yeah, I, I think he's going to be one of those guys that rises up very quickly. He, he's going to make a name for himself, and and people are going to jump on that hype train very quickly and try to claim that they were first on the train. And I'm going to say, nope, I've, I've had a guy here for quite a while hyping this guy up. So, yeah. It's kind I'm, of I'm unfair to, when I get to watch him, like, every uh, single week. That's true. But even without that, you're usually pretty on top of those trench guys pretty early in the in the process. So, yeah, another good choice. I decided to go – you kind of went with a – not a homer pick, but just a guy you know pretty well. I'm going to go with a guy that most people in Colorado know very well, and that is Isaiah Oliver. And this is a kid, he comes from a very, very athletic family. Family ran track. He ran track. He was one of the the top all-stars in high school running, uh, I think it was the 110-meter hurdles. He was one of the fastest in the state. And just, again, an athletic freak that I think is going to really test off the charts and has that that height, weight, speed combo that you're really looking for at that cornerback position, 6'1", what is he, 180, 185, somewhere in there? I hope he's more than that. Yeah, well, I know. I, I the, the weight side of things is a little bit on the smaller side, but when you look at just the the height and, and the speed that he's going to bring to the table, I think he's going to really cement himself as that maybe number two corner, number three corner in this draft. Um, I think Josh Jackson's going to have something to say about that, but his numbers at the combine are going to play a big part in, in his evaluation. And then of course, Denzel Ward, he's a little bit on the shorter side. So I could see there being an argument for Isaiah Oliver after the combine really moving up boards and maybe even cementing himself as that number one cornerback in this draft. Yeah. He has the ability to trail guys in man coverage. He has the length and fluidity to play in zone and he's just, you know, you have to have that length to be a boundary corner in today's NFL unless you're going to be playing a lot of press man with decent pass coverage. And that's where he shows well. I was really impressed with him when the Colorado-Colorado State game happened. He covered Michael Gallup, and he won 95% of the matchups when he was covering Gallup. So I like Isaiah Oliver a lot, especially when you have a guy with his size, his length that can move like he does in man coverage. I got to go, though. My cornerback one has been... And remains to be, well, I guess I have a caveat here. The most talented cornerback, I think, in this entire draft class is Texas's Holton Hill. But he was suspended this year. He's had a lot of drug busts, uh, apparently. That's what's been reported. A lot of uh, failed drug tests with likes to smoke that Mary Jane. And as we saw with Randy Gregory, a really talented edge rusher from Nebraska. If you're constantly failing drug tests, you're going to be out of the league. If he wasn't, though, Holton Hill, cornerback one, throwing it out there. I don't think that's a hot take because he's 6'2 and he moves super well and he's amazing in run defense as well, something that I think Isaiah Oliver really struggles with. But my cornerback one is a guy that I'm going to list as a freak here. You already mentioned him, Denzel Ward. I remember we did a podcast a while back. We said guys that we love, guys that we hate. 
And I said Denzel Ward. I really love what he brings to the table. I think he's very tremendous in short area. He can break on the football very quickly. I think he's going to run pretty well on the 40, but it's going to be more of his shuttles, his jumps, and his three-cone drill that I think is going to set him apart. I am curious to see how he measures. He needs to break that five foot ten mark. If he's five foot nine, it's going to be an issue. He's going to drop down boards. Might not even go first round. But if he hits five ten, five eleven, I wouldn't be surprised if he's a top fifteen pick because of what he brings to the table as far as athleticism goes. He's probably the the safest man corner in this class. I like Jair Alexander a lot, but he has the injury issues that come with him. And also, Denzel Ward is not afraid to bring it in the run game. You know, he's not Marshawn Lattimore good at guarding that D gap, but he brings it in the run game and he can provide run support, which is something you need in the NFL today with guys in space and that quick pass offense. Yeah. I saw a couple of people say he's, he's going to try to break the 40 yard dash time. I don't see him being that fast, but he'll, he'll run in that four, three, four, four area, which is plenty fast for the cornerback position. And, and you're right. Just that aggressive attitude that he has on the field. It really shows every single game. And when teams are trying to spread people out, it's, so important for those guys to be able to tackle. That's such an underrated part of of what Talib and Harris and and Roby really bring to the table for the Broncos. They don't let many guys get by them. They might give up a couple catchers here and there, but it's usually they tackle them right there. I, I can't remember. I think it's Harris gives up the fewest yards after catch of any cornerback in the NFL. Yeah. Solid tackling is very important if you're going to be playing a lot of man coverage like the Broncos do. Because if that guy misses, it's off to the races. So you got to have a guy that can bring it. And you mentioned I'd say Oliver, a guy, even a Hawkeye. I said I was going to maybe put him as a weak. Uh, Josh Jackson, guys that don't look like they're that interested in tackling to me. So I'm tackling. I mean, obviously, how they play in coverage is more important. But if you are not a good tackler, it's going to be a big issue for me. And I, I have issues with that with a couple guys. And it's something that I'm not. I don't have as much of an issue with Denzel Ward because he has the mentality to go down and lay the wood when he needs to and be a good defender on that outside. All right. Well, I want another cornerback as well here with Dante Jackson of LSU. And this guy, if you want to talk about a true athletic freak that is going to blow away the combine, this is this kid. He is the one guy I think actually stands a chance of breaking the 40 time. He's been timed at a very low 4240. And I think it's a real deal because he's actually ran a 10.22 meter dash in college for their track team. And I mean, we're, we're talking about the Olympics right now. I know it's winter Olympics, but it's, it's summer Olympics. That's, that's not Olympic speed, but that's that next level. So just that amazing speed. He's not a, he's not a first round pick kind of guy, but if we're just talking guys that are going to blow away the combine, I I can see this guy really lighting things up and having people watching the screen every time he runs runs the 40. Yeah, I like Dante Jackson a lot as well as far as like click and close, but he might weigh 170. And if he's weighing 170, he is going to have a hard time in the NFL, not only trying to bring guys down, but staying healthy. I, I can't disagree with you. Like I said, his tape isn't the greatest thing in the world. It's decent, but it's not anything that just measures up to like Denzel Ward, Isaiah Oliver, or Josh Jackson or anything like that. But just like I said, if we're talking about guys that are just going to be a freak at the combine, I think he's he's definitely up there. Absolutely. And I have a different name written down that I'm going to go with right now. But if we're going to go in depth, got to go with Saquon Barkley. He is going to just light it on fire at the combine. 
he might have the best three cone 40 yard dash and both vertical and long jump out of any running back. And he might have the best bench press. I mean, he set multiple records in the Penn state locker room. I mean, he's outlifting his offensive linemen and his ability to change direction and his top speed make me think that he is going to go high and everyone's going to be in love with Saquon Barkley once again after the combine. You have some in draft media bringing up some very important points about his vision and trying to do too much. But Barkley, to me, playing him at just running back, I know last year was kind of the, the downer on Christian McCaffrey. I didn't think he was worth a super early pick because he didn't have the ability to run between the tackles as much. I, I would say I've evolved a little bit from that view. I think McCaffrey is decently up there now but he's still the issue for me is McCaffrey is a little bit small and I didn't think he was as fast as you'd want from that guy who's going to be that matchup piece like that I have none of those issues with Barkley he's going to be what five foot 11 230 pounds and he's going to break I mean he's going to I'm not going to say he's going to break records but I wouldn't be surprised if he's in the 90th percentile in all the athletic drills so his uh, mock draftable spider web is going to be just all the way across <laughs> I would not be surprised at all and I'm, I'm really excited to see him. I know it's kind of a cheat because he's the obvious one, but I feel like we could not say our combine freaks and skip on Saquon Barkley, even if we're just going to mention some other guys. He belongs in the category of freak among freaks. Just like you said, he, I think he's going to test off the charts. Just the, the rumors I've heard of things that he does just in the weight room, running the 40 time. I mean, it just I'm so excited to see what he does. Uh, he, he might be getting almost a little overhyped. Like he's not going to be able to live up to the hype because it's set so high, but he's still going to, like you said, he's going to be 90th, 99 percentile in pretty much everything that he does. So I I don't know. He's going to be, uh, you're right. His, his hype train is going to hit an all time high after the combine again, where everybody that was questioning things before are going to be like, Nope, Nope. His athletic traits just, overcome any kind of weaknesses that maybe show up in his game so yeah and i'm most excited honestly like obviously it's he's gonna run and everything out of the gym and jump out of the gym but i really am excited to see him run the gauntlet because it's not just what Saquon barkley does as a running back it's but it's what he does as a receiver that's amazing and if he looks fluid running routes and catching pulling that ball in as a receiver i mean look out that's all i can say look out well my my final guy and this is the guy that I was very, very low on at the at the Senior Bowl. But I do think he's going to test well at the Combine. And that is Brian O'Neill, offensive tackle for Pitt. And I, I just I wanted to include him on this list because there's been a lot of talk that he will test almost as well as Lane Johnson when he came, came into the NFL and when he was running at the Combine. And so he, he's a guy I could see really getting hyped up very quickly. I had somebody... Oh, a few weeks back, asked me who's going to get overhyped at the combine and get drafted before they probably should. And I said, Brian O'Neill. And somebody said, well, he's not going to go top 15. I didn't mean it top 15. What I mean is when I watched him at the senior bowl and when I've watched some of his tape, I see more of like that third round prospect that needs some time to grow in the position. He's not a finished product, but he has a very, very high upside of a player, but I could see if he has this incredible combine that somebody's going to see that height, weight, speed combination and just go, I can turn him into anything I want. And they're going to say, let's take him here in the first round. And so that, that's why I, I say I could see him getting overdrafted just because of, of what he does at the combine. Yeah, I could definitely see that as well. 
somebody out there is going to love that athlete at that size. So that's, that's what happens. And I could see him being overdrafted. I wouldn't take him until middle of the third round probably, but that's, I don't know. Even then, I guess you got to bank on a little bit of upside when you're drafting, starting to draft middle of the third round for a position like offensive tackle. But that's, he definitely concerns me. All right. Well, moving on to the weeks, I think I'll name all three of mine at once and you can do the same. And then we'll get on to our others of note, but my weeks compared to the freaks, I have Billy Price, Arden Key, and Nick Chubb. Billy Price is somebody, he's very technical and mean, but I don't think he's a great athlete in space. He doesn't move very well. He's better when he gets his hands on somebody and can move them. But when he's asked to move to the second level or out wide, he looks a little bit out of sorts. And for being a first-round potential guy, I, I mean, he's solid, but it's a deep interior offensive line class. It's a deep interior offensive line free agent class. And I think Billy Price, he's not going to test the best, and it's obviously not the biggest deal for an offensive lineman. That's especially if you have, how often does an offensive lineman need to run a forty-yard dash on the field? Almost never. So it's it's definitely something that's worthy pointing that out. But I'm not super impressed with Billy Price. Arden Key, I think that Arden Key's a good athlete, but it's more about his his measurements. I'm worried that he's going to come in weighing very small, and I'm also worried about his medicals. There are some talk. There is some talk that he might have some issues there and interviews. So we'll see how he tests. He's going to need to move very well considering his frame though, because otherwise he's just going to be, in my opinion, too weak to hold that edge, except in three, four defenses, maybe even as a situational rusher. And then finally, Nick Chubb. I like Nick Chubb as the size between the tackles runner, but I don't think he's going to test the best on the field. And that will be an issue to some teams. Running back is probably one of the least important for those athletic drills outside of the three cone dash. And it's again, it's about those, those cutoffs, you know, if he runs a really bad 40, that's going to concern some people, but I still think he's probably a day two guy, but he's just combines not really built to show off a guy like Nick Chubb. I like that list. Yeah. Well, I went with Marcus Davenport, Cortland Sutton and Anthony Miller and all for very different reasons. Marcus Davenport. I saw him mock to the Broncos at pick five, not too long ago. And I don't think he's quite the athletic freak that some people are building him up to be. I think he's good, but I don't think he's that. Uh, oh, I'm trying to think of different defensive ends that have gone really high. I guess just all the guys that have really gone really, really high lately. Um, uh, he was the guy last year, number one overall pick. Oh, my goodness. Miles Garrett. Yeah, Miles Garrett. I don't think he's going to test that well. And so I see him after he tests still showing that he's going to be that late first round developmental kind of guy, Cortland Sutton. There are a lot of people that have him as their number one wide receiver in this draft. I am not one of them. I don't like his game. I don't like his style. He's just not my kind of wide receiver. And I think he's going to test pretty poorly at the combine, at least compared to a lot of other wide receivers. Although this isn't a great wide receiver class. So I guess he could still test. Okay. But yeah, still not my favorite. I I, th- I don't think he's going to show up very well in any of the drills. And then Anthony Miller, I have him on, on my list just because I think that foot injury is going to show up really bad. And I, I've just, I've heard rumors that it's not very good, that he's going to really drop after the, the medical checks. And so he's one of those guys, he's going to be a very high risk, high reward kind of player that if you take him a little bit earlier, you're hoping to bank on his his talent because he is a very talented wide receiver. But how long is that foot going to hold up? That's always the big question because a foot injury for a wide receiver, it doesn't get much worse than that. So th- those are my three guys that I could see 
really dropping a little bit just because of, of the combine. Yeah, good good list there. I, I'm glad we did five pros and only three or five freaks and only three weeks because we're, we're a positive podcast. We try to be a positive podcast. And as promised, being a positive podcast, we're going to hit some others of note here that I think are probably going to have a pretty solid combine that, you know, otherwise we'd be here all day talking about them. But the guy that I actually took off my list because I had to talk about Saquon Barkley, Leighton Vanderich, off-ball linebacker from Boise State. Uh, Derwin James, safety from Florida State. I think he's going to test very well. Tavin Bryan, I'm, I'm interested to see how he does. I think he's going to test very well in terms of his explosive drills, but his change of direction one, the three cone, I'm curious to see how he does there. I think Christian Kirk is going to test pretty well. Kalen Bellage from Arizona State, running back slash, what would you call him, receiving back? Maybe a different <laughs> R there yeah. for, the, for the RB. But he's supposed to test pretty well. Malik Jefferson from Texas. Vita Vea from Washington, who we talked about already as a potential Raider, maybe. A Raider target. Kentavious Street, who's an edge rusher slash interior guy for NC State. Supposed to be just an athletic freak. And uh, Kevin Tolliver II, LSU corner. The other guy from opposite Dante Jackson there at LSU. Out of this list of the other guys, anyone you really want to note or touch on real quickly? I think Derwin James is a very interesting one just because kind of like last year, uh, there's some players that you just kind of wondered where was their position and Florida state kind of moved them around. And I, I just, I always question sometimes in, in the college football, I know you like to show your versatility, but there's times where it's really good just to learn one position really well. And so I just wonder what teams are going to see in him. Where do they want him? How do they want to play him? And if he tests well, I think he's going to cement himself as that top 15 pick and, and he deserves to be, he's that kind of talent, but just, I'm interested to see how teams really want to use that kid. Yeah, for sure. He's definitely an interesting one. And I'm excited to see how Leighton Vanderich tests. He's supposed to measure pretty big and I, he looks very smooth and athletic on tape. Sometimes I think his progression skills are a little bit slow. You know, sometimes he doesn't hit that mark right away and he can wait to make that move but he looks fluid and he looks like a good athlete in space and he has good size to boot. So I think he's going to do very well at the combine. All right. Well, we still have a bit to get to here, but first we want to say thank you to our great sponsor, Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com backslash huddle up. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Again, that's www.audibletrial.com backslash huddle up. I have a six and a half, seven hour drive ahead of me a week from today and you can bet that I'm going to have Audible the whole entire drive because the drive from Iowa City, Iowa to Indianapolis, Indiana is not the most picturesque. So thank God for Audible, and you listeners should definitely go check it out. All right, well, this is something we kind of wanted to get to a couple weeks ago, but we ran out of time, and that is looking around the web to see what other sites are reputable people in draft media had the Broncos going with not only their first pick, but also second, third, fourth, fifth. I mean, some of these mock drafts are pretty detailed pretty early, so we really appreciate that. And, you know, not everybody gets into it as we do. I mean, we're running a draft podcast for Pete's sake, but it's definitely an interesting way to look at it and go about it. And we definitely want to touch on some of these mock drafts and talk about whether or not we like them, some of the scheme fits for the players, et cetera, et cetera. And the first one I wanted to touch on here was from Tankathon. Tankathon is something that I visited multiple times when the Broncos were finally, well, obviously out of the playoff race and racing towards a top five draft pick. And Tankathon kind of gave the projected draft slots and based on all the numerical outcomes that could happen and everything like that. And 
they also have a mock draft to boot with that. So their mock draft has, it's a three-round mock draft, doesn't have the comp picks projected, but it has, with the fifth overall pick, Broncos select quarterback Baker Mayfield, 40th overall pick, Broncos select offensive guard Will Hernandez, and the 71st overall pick, that's the third round, Broncos select wide receiver Auden Tate. And I got to say, I'm a big fan of this draft. How about you, Carl? (laughs) I, I can't disagree with any pick there. They all fit positions of need. They all fit positions of value. Baker Mayfield, as as you know, uh, he's right there as my top quarterback in this draft. And Will Hernandez, he just destroyed the Senior Bowl when I was down there. And and uh, a favorite of mine, a guy that we've heard possibly could go top 15 in the draft, so to get him at 40, at, like I said, at a position of need, oh my goodness, that interior offensive line of Paradis, Leary, and Hernandez would be unstoppable. That would be a fun group to watch. And then Auden Tate, you have been a big fan of his. Do you have him as your top wide receiver? I do not have him as my top wide receiver. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. But he has the highest upside. Okay, there you sense. go. <clears throat> so, again, a guy that I, I think could fit well with the offense and be that, especially that red zone threat right off the bat, guy that can just out-jump everybody, out-muscle everybody, and just a, a very good player to have opposite of, of DT if that's the way we decide to go, if Sanders is is cut. If we get Baker Mayfield, maybe we can keep Sanders uh, just because of cap cap-wise of what we'd have available. But... Uh, no, I can't disagree with any of these picks. I love them all. I, yeah, this would be one of my favorite mock drafts that, that we have here. Yeah, I'm a big fan of it. Will Hernandez is a great fit. He knows the Broncos' interior offensive line coach, and Sean Cougar, who was his head coach all of his career at UTEP. He fits scheme-wise. He fits need-wise. I mean, he's played left guard, so you can keep Ronald Leary at right guard where he looks very, very solid. And to have an interior trio of Hernandez, Paradis, slash McGovern, depending on what happens with Paradis in the offseason, and Leary, I mean, that's that's the best interior grouping the Broncos have had. Gosh, I, I can't even remember. That would be a really good one. If, if Hernandez lives up to the hype. I don't think he's going to be, test the greatest, but he's, you know, what is he, 6'3", 6'2", 340 pounds. He's, he's not meant to be a speed guy. He's a power guy, and that's great for us. I like Baker Mayfield at five. I I think that we're going to get Kirk Cousins. I really do. So that kind of makes these all all for not any mock that has the Broncos taking Baker. But I, he's my quarterback 2A or 2B, whatever you want to call it. He's tied with Darnold. And I would be very happy to get him at five if we don't land Cousins. And no matter who else we land at quarterback besides Cousins, if they sign Keenum, if they get uh, McCarron, if they get Tyrod Taylor, Josh McCown, they're still using that first pick on a quarterback. I, I guarantee it. So it will definitely be interesting there. And then Auden Tate. I'm a big fan of Auden Tate. I think he's definitely – he reminds me – I don't want to say Kelvin Benjamin. He's more athletic than Kelvin Benjamin. He's, he's like the best jump ball receiver in this class. He kind of reminds me of Mike Williams from last year, where if he if you put Auden Tate on last year's Clemson team and have him come out last year, I think he could play a very similar role. I'm not sure if he's as athletic down the field, but his ability to jump and play the ball in the air with body control and to come down with 50-50 balls at a very high rate, I, that's, I mean, that's his game, and I think he's 
got gobs of potential, gobs of potential. And if he would have been, if he'd have stayed in school and come out next year, I think in the pre-draft process, you know, right when the season starts and everything, he would have been a lot of people's wide receiver one headed into next year. He had some issues because the quarterback got hurt the very first game of the year in DeAndre Francois and Blackman. Well, he does have some upside was definitely pretty raw, not totally ready for it. So I like Auden Tate a lot. And if you can get him in the third round, I mean, that's, that's a heck of a bargain. So I, I give this one an A. I, I would be very happy with it. Yeah, that's what I give it to man. A, A plus one of the two. Yeah. It's I, I up think there. You're getting, you're getting two first round pick for sure players. And another guy that, like you said, has some of the highest upside of all the wide receivers. So uh, I think that sets us up well for, for the future. Well, moving on here, we have Charlie Campbell's draft of Walter football. Doesn't he, he works for Walter football, right? Yes. Yep. Okay. Charlie and Walter, sure. the big two. Okay. Just making sure. Well, he has at pick number five, Quentin Nelson at pick 40 has Darius Geis pick 71. He has Christian Campbell at pick one Oh three. He has Toby Weathersby and pick 106, Jeff Holland. So a four-round mock draft here. And just starting off here, the the two first picks, I'm guessing if, if we're getting Quentin Nelson at five, that means we have uh, that we have Kirk Cousins coming to the Broncos. And so I think that's a perfect fit if we if we can't move back. And we'll talk about that more as we go through this whole thing. But and then Darius Geis at 40, you pair him with with Kirk Cousins. And Quentin Nelson, I love that, those first two picks. That would be huge value. We, we talked about this earlier today, you and I, about how we can't believe people are not talking about Geis more. I know Barkley's the, the hype man, the top of the class, but Geis, he is in that next group. He's, or he's the top of that next group. He's a, a first-round talent, so to get him at 40 is great. Christian Campbell of Penn State, cornerback, maybe a little early in my, in my eyes for that kind of pick. He has some some upside. He's a very aggressive player, does well attacking the football. But I, I don't know, still a little high for me. Toby Weathersby, LSU offensive tackle. He's a guy that he has not played a lot. He's been injured most of his, his college career. And so I'm not sure about that fit, but if we're talking fourth round guy to maybe see what he can do down the, the road. He's a, a right tackle, run blocker kind of guy, but – I don't know. Not not my favorite pick either, but Jeff Holland, a very good developmental pass rushing option. A guy that really showed well with not really having a whole lot of technique to his game. Uh, he's a guy that I think if you stick him with some of our coaching staff and especially Von Miller and let, let him train this kid up, I think he could be a fun one for the Broncos moving down the road. But overall, I I pretty much like this draft. It's not as good as that first one but I especially like those first two picks. Yeah, Darius Geis in the second round, that's an absolute steal. Absolute steal. I mean, that's that's a franchise running back. You got that for five years, and that's a guy that you don't even have to worry about it. You're handing it off to him 20-plus times a game, and you're feeling good about it. Quentin Nelson, I like it. I like it. I'd rather trade down, but they don't really project in that here. Christian Campbell, he's one that's going to need to test really well at the Combine for me to be excited about that pick. I think that's a little bit early. For him, I think he's more of a round four guy. Toby Weathersby, I'll be honest, I haven't watched that much of him from what I have. His pass blocking needs work. He might even be better at guard in the long run, so I'm not sure about that one. And Jeff Holland, a solid player. There are some edge rushers I like more, but if you're getting that kind of guy round four, I can't hate it. He's he's definitely a fit schematically for what the Broncos need at the edge. So overall, I give this one a B+. I'll give it a B. 
Darius Geist moves it up. If that was a worse pick at 40, I'd probably give it a C. But overall, it's a solid one, and I'd give it a, a B. Yeah, I, I'll give it a B plus, just because I think when you put Quentin Nelson, Darius Geis, and I'm guessing, like I said, Kirk Cousins all together, I think the Broncos become a top 10 offense with those three moves right there. I, I would love to see that run game and then the play action off that run game with Kirk Cousins. Oh, my goodness. The Broncos would actually have something to cheer about on on offense for once for for the first time since what 2014 really yeah since the prior to Peyton Manning's leg injury against the Rams right exactly well the next one we have here is just Walter Football's mock draft that they just updated here today and they start off with again Quentin Nelson at five and then one of your favorites at forty Leighton Vanderish. Then one of my favorites at 71, DJ Moore. And then at 103, they have Mark Walton. Miami, Miami. You're right. Miami, yeah. And then Tavares McFadden, cornerback from Florida State and the uh, as the other fourth-round pick. And I guess I look at this mock draft, and there's not really anything I disagree with on this one. Uh, you start off with Quentin Nelson, value and position of need. Leighton Vanderesh, again, position of need, value there at, at pick 40. DJ Moore, a great weapon to add to the offense. Mark Walton, pretty good running back to add there in the fourth round. Tavares McFadden at one point was kind of a first-round hyped guy. He's kind of fallen a little bit, but there in the fourth round, I think that's pretty good value. What do you think of this one? Yeah, I think I'd give this one a solid A. Quentin Nelson there is solid. I really like Leighton Vanderich. I'm inside linebacker for us. I think he can fit that 3-4 defense really well and be a guy there you can plug and play for a long time. I've, I like Darius Geis more there second, but I think Van Der Esch probably has more long-term value. DJ Moore, we talked about it. I don't really love him to the Broncos because Carlos Henderson, I think, fits such a similar role. And if we can learn anything, well, not if we can learn anything, but one of the lessons we can learn from the Eagles is that you want to have a complementary set of receiving weapons. And I think DJ Moore and Carlos Henderson do not complement each other very well. They overlap each other. Mark Walton, I like a lot. I'm interested to see how he tests at the Combine. He got injured this year. He had an ankle injury that made him miss a decent chunk of the season. But when he was playing, he was really explosive. So I'm interested to see how he'll test. And I think he could be a steal there with that fourth-round pick. And Tavares McFadden, I think he's a little bit stiff in the hip. But I do like his ability as a boundary corner, especially if you're going to have him filling in for Tlaib, you know, that, that guy who comes in and sub-packages but plays boundary where kicking either Roby or Harris to the slot. I think that's a good fit. And I think I like top to bottom – I think they add a lot of talent in this draft. So I'll give this one, I'll give this one an A minus actually, just because the more pick, I think you can probably do a little bit better and better. And it's not as good as the tankathon one. Yeah. I'll, I'll give this one an A minus as well. We agree way too much on, on way too many things, but it just, it's, it's a draft that fits very well with need and value on a lot of these picks. And again, I think you improve both the defense and the offense with this draft. Well, moving yeah. on, we have draft tech. And these guys, I always kind of wonder their value charts because sometimes they have some of the players in some of the weirdest spots. But hey, everybody has their different values for players. But they have Mika Fitzpatrick at number five, Connor Williams at pick 40, Luke Falk at 71, Josie Jewell at 103, Josh Adams at 106, Nick Nelson at 133, and Kendrick Norton at 154. What are your thoughts on this one? I don't like Minka Fitzpatrick at five. 
again, we're talking about overlapping skill set of young guys you already have invested in. Minka Fitzpatrick is going to play the same role as Justin Simmons. He's definitely a solid nickel cornerback, but he's mostly playing in that inside spot, and I do not value that as high as a true cover one safety or a true boundary corner. So taking him at five and playing him with Simmons, I think I just think they are too similar. I'd rather have Derwin James if we're taking a safety in the first round to pair with Justin Simmons and what he brings to the table. But that said, I think five is too high for either of those guys for the Broncos. I love Connor Williams at 40. I think he's, I really think he's going to measure in small. I think he's going to be a guard in the long run, but I think he's going to be a damn good guard. I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up the best guard in this class if everything goes well. I think he's the youngest offensive lineman in this class behind James Daniels. I think he's only 20 years old still and very athletic. I think he's going to test pretty well. And long term, even if it's at guard, you know, if you're getting that guy in the second round that can be a guard and then kick to tackle in a pinch, that's, that's some value. Really hate pick 71 and Luke Falk. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I would just rather not make that pick. I think there's a decent drop off after those top quarterbacks. But if you're taking a quarterback at 71, give me Kyle Oletta, uh, Mike White potentially. And after that, you know, kick it till day three even. Josie Jewell, I'm a big Hawkeye fan. I love Josie Jewell as a Hawkeye. I worry about him in the NFL. People get irritated about Todd Davis in space and in coverage. Well, buckle up. Josie Jewell is smaller and less athletic than Todd Davis is. He's a great guy, good athlete. I've met his family in Decorah, Iowa a couple of times. I just, I really worry about Josie Jewell. And then because he's small and not athletic, I think that really limits his special teams ability as well. Josh Adams, I will be honest, I'm, I'm a little bit skeptical on Adams. He's going to need to test well for me to believe in him because watching him, all I see is just gigantic run lanes opened up by Michael Glinchy and Quentin Nelson. So I'm, I'm not sure about how good his vision is. He runs a little bit upright, and he does have some decent speed for his height weight speed. You know, he, can, he can bust some big ones, but I just, I'm, I'm a little bit curious about his vision and his ability to play between the tackles when he's not running behind an offensive line that's dominating their opponent so much. I love Nick Nelson at 133. There's, I think Nick Nelson's a guy who's going to test pretty well at Indy and move his way up. He's a little bit shorter for a boundary corner, but he's very solid in run support. He moves pretty well. He's got good ball skills. He's good at the catch point. And I think he's a day two cornerback. And Kendrick Norton, I like McIntosh a little bit better on that Miami front, but Norton's solid. I think he's probably a better fit for a 4-3 for what the Broncos are looking for. You're looking for a guy with a little bit more pass rush ability and length that can play that five technique unless you're looking for a true one-gapping one-tech or zero-tech. But I just I don't see that as much in Norton. But we'll see. We'll see how he measures everything at the combine. He was an early entrant. I was surprised that both McIntosh and Norton declared. I thought Miami had a good thing going. I thought all this Clemson defensive linemen would declare and the Miami guys would return. It turns out it was the other way around. Overall, <laughs> I give this mock though. I give it a, I give it a C minus best pick. My opinion, either Connor Williams or Nick Nelson, worst pick probably Luke Falk. Yeah. That, that Nick or that Luke Falk pick really brings it down big time. I, I I'm with you. I'm not seeing the greatest fits for the Broncos here. I'm seeing some good players. I do think Mika Fitzpatrick is a very, very good player. But like I said, is he more of an overlapping piece or is he a very complimentary piece? I think he is a guy that you can move around and do a lot of things with. So I'm probably a little higher on the pick than you are, but still not my not my favorite pick for them at five. And then Connor Williams at 40, that's a, that's a huge steal. Like I said, even if he has to move into guard, that's not a big deal. Uh, that, that, that's a, a top-tier player 
at a very, very important position. So, but Josie I mean, Jewell. It's a, little, it's a little bit of a deal because the yeah. tackle class is not as good as the guard class in free agency or the draft. And if you're moving a guy who could be offensive tackle one from tackle to guard, I mean, that's definitely going to lower his value a little bit. I understand you're still getting him at 40. That's a good pick, but that's the difference between being a top 10, top t- top 15 value to potentially sliding to the middle of day two. Right, right. That's true. That is very true. But still, I, I think you're getting a quality player there at 40. Absolutely. Yeah. And Josie Jewell, I, I like the leadership side of things. I like the instinct side of things being added to the team. But like you said, the, just the lack of athleticism just makes you kind of go, eh, I don't see this being being the future of the inside linebacker position. Josh Adams, like I said, he's a good height, weight, speed kind of guy, but he he probably had the easiest job of any running back in, in college football this last year. And then Nick Nelson, very, very good pick there. Good value. A guy that I think is going to rise up boards as we get closer to the draft. I don't think he'll be there in the fourth round like they have it here. And then Kendrick Norton, yeah, decent, decent pick, but again, just not my not my favorite one either. So I, I'm going to give this one a, a D plus. I'm going to go a little bit lower than you, just mostly because that Luke Falk pick there at 71. That just really brought it down for me. All righty. Well, moving on, Draft Utopia, friend of the podcast, Chris Ransom. He puts out a podcast pretty often. Sometimes he has some takes I don't agree with, but you know what? He's putting out his own takes out there, and he's doing his own work. So got to appreciate that. And his draft for the Broncos includes the comp pick that the Broncos will hopefully be getting for Russell Okun. At five, they have us getting Roquan Smith, which means probably we're getting Kirk Cousins. At 40, he gave us Tyrell Crosby. At 71, he gave us Dallas Godert. And with the 100th pick, which is the comp pick, he gave us Deion Kane. I like Roquan Smith at five. I'd rather potentially trade back a little bit to get a guy like that, especially when I have Tremaine Edmonds and him pretty close together. You know, if you have two guys at the same position that are the same tier, you hopefully can trade back and take the second guy that's taken. But Roquan Smith, I think I'd have him slightly above Tremaine Edmonds right now just because of his ability and his pro- his ability and pass coverage and his processing speed. Tyrell Crosby, I love. I'm interested to see how he's going to test, but I think he's a tackle-slash-guard combo that could play either spot and be a definitely a better starter at left guard or right tackle for the Broncos day one. Dallas Goddard, I, I think I'm lower on him than a fair amount of people. This tight end class, while it's deep, I don't like the the top talent. I don't think Mark Andrews is that good. I don't think uh, Hayden Hurst is that good. I don't think Dallas Goddard is that good. He got a lot of balls in college, had some great catches, but he had a fair amount of drops as well. I don't, I don't think him being a great separator. So he's he's... And also, I didn't see him blocking that well either. They didn't really ask him to block that well. So I like Goddard, but I think I'd rather take a different position there and potentially shoot for round four or five or six for that tight end. And Deion Kane, he's one that very inconsistent, but sky-high potential. Curious about his hands, curious about his route running, but the athleticism is undeniable. And we are getting that kind of athlete with that size, with the comp third pick, the third-round comp pick. That's, I mean, I can't, I can't hate it that much. So overall, I'll give this one a... Uh, I'll give it a B minus and under the assumption that the Broncos are getting Kirk. Okay. I probably like this one a little bit higher than you. I like Raquan Smith there. I think that's a great fit for the Broncos, a player that they absolutely need that's been missing there at that second inside linebacker position. Crosby, I'm a little bit further down on him after the senior bowl. Just didn't see him do well there. I saw him get beat, get beat quite often. But still a great run blocker, still a guy that's very aggressive. I, I still wouldn't mind seeing him there at that right tackle position. Godard, I'm a little higher than him on him than you are. 
And I'd love to get that second tight end just as an option and just a big guy running up the middle of the field. And then Deion Kane, I love his game. I know it's not a finished product. I know he has some drops. I just see him as a guy that I think will have a much better pro career than he ever did college career. I think you give him a year or two to develop and this guy is going to explode onto the, to the, to the NFL scene. So I'll give this one a, a B almost B plus is what I'll go with this one. All right. Well, we have some of the bigger name guys here, Todd McShay. We're going to, we've already come up on an hour, so we're going to have to hammer through some of these ones to get to the mailbag. But Todd McShay gave us Baker Mayfield. Mel Kuyper gave us Sam Darnold. I think those are probably your top two options for you, Carl. I think last I heard that was your 1A and 1B quarterback. Yeah, I'd give both those an A+. If we're not getting Kirk Cousins, I would be very happy with either of those guys. But, you know, I'd be happy with Josh Rosen, too. I'm getting a little bit higher on him. I, I've watched a little bit more of him and kind of going, okay, I could really talk myself into this guy. So it's kind of a 1A, 1A, 1B, 1C. I know that's kind of a cop-out, but I like them all. I just I could see any of them just depending on – how the coaches want to use them. Obviously that's, that's a big question when it comes to any of these quarterbacks. Yeah, for sure. And I definitely think Mark Schofield probably left an impression on you there as far as quarterback one, right? He did. He did. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of like, uh, you know, when you tell your wife that she's beautiful, but when somebody else says it, it means a little bit more. It's kind of dare you. It's always means a lot. (laughs) You know, you're my my football wife here. And uh, so when I hear from somebody else, (laughs) <laughs> no, I, it was, he, he put it really well of just what he brings to the table. And it just, the more eyes that keep saying the same thing, the more you just kind of going, okay, I see it now. I see more of what they're saying. It's becoming that much more of a clearer picture. So I, I'd be very okay with any of those three quarterbacks being the quarterback of our future. Thing is with Rosen, like you go to his highlight tape, it's fun, but it doesn't have any of those plays where it's like those wow throws where he's running around and making plays. He's just consistently great in the pocket. And I mean, how fun is a Tom Brady highlight video? Let's be real. I mean, it's he's staying in the pocket, dishing out the football. So right. that's, I I'm fine with that. That's the best quarterback ever. I'm sorry, Jesus Manning or whatever. It was. <laughs> I'm sorry, Peyton, but uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm definitely, I'm still a Rosen QB one guy, but that has to do with, or that's outside of his, potential injury issues as well. So there's an issue there. Uh, the NFL.com guys, we have Charles Davis giving us Josh Rosen, speak of the devil. Jan- Daniel Jeremiah giving the Broncos Quentin Nelson. Bucky Brooks giving the Broncos Josh Rosen. Charles Casterly giving the Broncos Marcus Davenport at five overall. And the- Lance Zerline giving the Broncos Quentin Nelson at five. So a couple Rosens, a couple Nelsons, and the oddball that is Marcus Davenport. I'm probably going to speak for both of us here. That's a damn silly pick. Marcus Davenport at five. I would, my TV would be not in existence anymore. I would throw the remote through it. I'm with you there. Oh my goodness. I I read this one earlier and I think his mock draft was, wasn't it the one where it had like one sentence for every one of the, the picks? I don't know. I saw that and I was done. I didn't, not worth reading. Okay. Yeah. It it was pretty bad. Some of those guys like him and uh, Polian, some of their, their takes lately, you're just like, dude, are you losing it? (laughs) Polian said that Lamar Jackson is too short for the NFL. That's just a dumb talking point. I don't yes. like it. Yeah. As far as so Josh Rosen, the older Broncos guys, five, like, oh, sorry, go ahead. Say it again. Sorry. Some of these older guys, I don't know. I think they're, they're losing it a little bit, maybe phoning it in. They don't want to put in the, the film work like they used to or something like that. But 
Yeah. Marcus Davenport, there's no way that he should be going that high. Maybe if we trade back and think, hey, this guy can really develop into something, but not not a five. That's that's ridiculous. I would be upset taking him round one period, personally. Yeah, I, I don't see a first round pick. I mean, I see the athleticism and I see some of the traits you like, but if I'm using a first round pick on a pass rusher, I want a guy that's a little bit more of a finished product. I want a guy that can make an impact year one that I, I can really believe in. He can come in and be that 8, 10, 12 sack kind of guy opposite of Vaughn Miller. I don't see that with Davenport. Me neither. And then Josh Rosen at five. It's a nice dream, but I think if the Broncos want Rosen, they got to move up to get him. I don't see him being there at five in any sense, unless something drastic comes up or happens from now to the combine or from now to the draft. Yeah, I can't, I can't disagree with that. It's, I've seen some rumors that the Giants are going to pass on him. They're going to go Barkley and just see if they can maybe pair him with Eli Manning and see what happens. But I, I just can't. Yeah, I know. I, I can't see that happening. About 90% of the stuff that gets released right now, I wouldn't believe. If it's if it's made public, it's because the NFL team wants it public. Yeah, can't disagree. All right, well, we're going to kind of transition here. This is a nice transition because there's a mock that has to do with the question we got from Michael Johnson, friend of the podcast. And he asked about the Broncos potentially trading down and with the B- Buffalo Bills. And it's something that I personally would be a fan of. I think this is a a deeper draft class than it is a top heavy quality one. And with the Broncos potentially getting Kirk Cousins, this is only in a Kirk Cousins situation, by the way, but if the Broncos getting Kirk Cousins and pairing that contract with Von Miller, I think you would be very wise to get as many top hundred picks as possible. That's just my take on it. Obviously you have to get more than the, just those first two picks. I'd want to potentially get a 2019 first round as well. Cause you're moving out of the top five into a pick lower than what the Broncos had last year. If that says anything, even though you're adding two, it's still a big deal. And in this mock, they have the Broncos taking Josh Jackson and Maurice Hurst, two guys that I like on their own. I do not think they are schematic fits for the Broncos defense. Josh Jackson, to me, is a guy who would be better in his own scheme. He's got length. He's got great ball skills, but I don't think he does it the best in man coverage, especially when his back's to the football, just not as smooth as a guy like Jerry Alexander, Denzel Ward, even Isaiah Oliver, as far as man coverage goes, in my opinion. And Maurice Hurst, if Broncos were a 4-3 team and needing that interior pass rusher from the three technique, I would be more interested in him, but I don't think he's got the length or the strength that you want for five technique. And then at three technique, I mean, are you kicking out DeMarcus Walker already? Is that what we're doing? I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't see the versatility along the defensive front that I value in terms of interior defensive linemen in the round one. Definitely not the guys I'd be picking if we drop back that far. Cause one, I'd want an offensive lineman. It, like you said, it's most likely we've gotten Kirk Cousins. Well, I want to go fill one of our either offensive guard or offensive tackle spots because Kirk Cousins is pretty much our free agency. You're not going to have money to go get anybody that's going to be a huge upgrade on the offensive line. So I, I just can't see you not trying to get one of those guys there. Maybe that's yeah. where Will Hernandez falls or Orlando Brown or somebody like that. That's That's the perfect spot for one of those kind of guys. And then pair it with a defensive guy. Personally. Right, exactly. So. Yeah, exactly. You fit, take one for each side of the of the ball and, and feel really good about it. Yep. Well, thank you, Michael Johnson, for that question. We're going to move on to some of these Twitter ones now. We have some from a while back. We're not going to be able to get to all of them today because we ran a little bit long, but that's okay. We got more for next time. So we have Malha Huddle's own Alex Valdez asking us, at what point are you ready to take a linebacker? If the Broncos can land a guy like Trey Burton in free agency, how far does the tight end need drop? I would be fine with the Broncos taking a linebacker 
not only once, but twice. I think this is a deep enough draft where if you don't get a guy in free agency, uh, you take a guy day two, day one maybe, and then take another guy, wait day three as a potential developmental guy, maybe a Jack Keechy or a Sean Dion Hamilton who have been injured but have some upside. Uh, but I'd be fine linebacker all across the draft. I think if the Broncos fill Quentin Nelson, it could be around one – or not Quentin Nelson, Kirk Cousins, it could be around one need. So I would not be upset with it there. As far as Trey Burton, if the Broncos take Trey Burton in free agency – I would be fine with them not even taking a tight end in the draft class completely. You have Jake Butt coming back. I just I like the depth of this class. I think you look day three if there's a guy there you like, you take him. But I'm not looking to go there early. I would not. I think all the top tight ends are going to go earlier than they should because of the lack of top talent there this year. Yeah, linebacker. I'm good filling that anywhere in the draft. It's a position that's kind of been ignored in the past, and and it's come back to bite the Broncos with just a lack of of quality and of depth. I mean, Brandon Marshall is good, but he's not top tier. And so if you can go get a guy that's actually a top tier at that position and add it to the defense and just secure that position for the next 10 years up the middle, yeah, I would take that any day, any place in the draft. And if you get Trey Burton, yeah, tight end's not a not an issue. You have Jake Butt that can run a lot of those underneath routes, the the outside routes, and then you have Trey Burton that can run the pretty much everything else. I think that would be just the perfect complement for each other. I would love that combination. And so there's not really much of a need other than maybe a late round pick. I, that's, that's about all I can say. I, I agree with you there. Maybe a guy that you just feel like can develop into something and maybe either become a trade piece or come back in later on. I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's nice to have some depth just because it is a position that seems to get injured a lot for the Broncos, but I, I, it becomes a very, very low need with Trey Burton in the picture. Yep, I agree with you there. All right, well, moving on, we have Mike Middleton, friend of the pod, ask us, who are the top RT prospects you could you believe could start from day one and be available at the top of the third round? And I got to say, I'm a little bit skeptical that there's going to be a guy there. This tackle class appears to be thinning somewhat. The small school guys there was hope for seem to be falling by the wayside. Definitely not guys that you want starting day one. And then you have guys like potentially Tyrell Crosby and Connor Williams sliding inside potentially to guard. So we will see what happens as far as that goes. But I guess two names that stick out to me that potentially could be there right now, but I think could rise given the need for a tackle and also how much teams are going to be desperate for them after not filling the need in the free agency class is a Tyrell Crosby and Jamarco Jones from Ohio State. But I would not be surprised if those guys moved up as well. I'll add one more name to that list. A guy that's kind of, he's fallen down a lot in a lot of people's minds. Uh, Chikwoma Okorafor. Yes. I, I could see him maybe being there at the third round. And he's he's a developmental piece, but I, I'm sure that they'd be starting him day one just because of how big of a need it is and how little talent they have at the position. So he, he'd be another guy. Alex Kappa. Guard. Uh, yeah. I wasn't as high as him at the the senior bowl. Brett Toth, if he can win his case to get out of his two years of service, he would be a guy that I'd be really, really excited to see the Broncos get. But I would not start him day one. He looked not good in the senior bowl. He the pass protection is an issue. Yeah. I, I, yeah. In the game he he struggled for sure. Practice wise, he was one of the few guys to really shut down most of the actual good pass rushers. Okay. So it's kind of one of those, which do you take more stock in the game or the practice? 
I'm yeah. a little bit more of a practice guy. Okay, Vance Joseph. <laughs> you had a good week of practice. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely worth noting. I just was a little bit concerned. I mean, Army doesn't throw the football, and then he really looked like out of balance in the game in terms of his pass blocking. So I was like, oh, definitely not a day one guy to me. But I, we'll see. Uh, a couple other names to mention. Brian O'Neill, somebody we mentioned, probably a guy who probably you don't want starting day one. But we'll see if you take him there and you're the Broncos and haven't filled that need. You might have to. And Colton Miller from UCLA, athlete, good size, but I'm a little bit concerned about his play strength and his technique. But those are some names that potentially the Broncos don't land a tackle in free agency trade or before their third pick. Those are guys that I would be interested in potentially taking there. All right, moving on, we have a question from Jennifer Pearson. question kind of reads as follows, and I'll kind of uh, skate around it here. Jennifer asks, do you think the Broncos would pay for Cousins despite the Broncos' worst coaching staff and having to lose some players on offense while having a worse offense around him than what the Redskins have? And I would argue that the Broncos have a better offense than what the Redskins had this past season. They were maligned with injuries. The offensive line was super injured. I love Brandon Sheriff. I love Trent Williams. But that, that whole unit was dinged up the entire season. And outside of Jordan Reed, who's always hurt, that receiving core for them was not great. I mean, I know some people got some fantasy days from a couple of their guys, but overall, not a great, not a great team full of offensive talent. And hopefully, Bill Musgraves kind of stabilizes the offense, and we can have a solid one there. But I will, I will tip my cap to you that Gruden is a good offensive mind and definitely better than what the Broncos have had here recently. I guess the. The thing for me is always going to be, I'll, I'll keep saying this, what are we going to pay for Cousins? Because the numbers have kind of been all over the board. I've seen that he'll take less money to come to the Broncos and they'll offer him a lot more guaranteed money. I've heard that he's probably going to get more than what Jimmy G just got. So it just kind of depends on on the price of how much he's going to cost. But at the same time, to have a quarterback that stabilizes things, that you know this is going to be your starter day one, that's that's huge for a team to have. It's huge for our defense, who have been very, very upset with the offense for the past about three years, to finally have a guy that they can look to and say, okay, this guy's going to be our leader on offense. He's actually going to do a few things that are going to help us win games. The Broncos need that. And I don't know, I don't know that the defense wants a rookie to come in. In fact, I know they don't. <laughs> They've been kind of the, the biggest proponents for going out and signing Kirk Cousins. It's why Von Miller is offering up his guest house, why he's offering up pretty much anything and everything and saying, I'm going to like anything and everything that Cousins does just because I want to get him here. There, there's a reason for that because they believe they know what Kirk Cousins is. They don't know what any of these rookies are. And they, they've seen, I guess, a little bit of what that first round quarterback, the the potential for bust and and just – Paxton Lynch these last couple of years and just we've heard that he hasn't given the best effort every week in and week out. And so I'm sure there's some fear of what are we getting when we bring in another rookie and are we going to have to wait another couple of years when we only have maybe another year or two of elite play as a, as a group together. So Kirk cousins, he, he offers the most upside day one for the Broncos, the, the ability to actually go out and win games and, I'm with you. I, I would disagree that that Kirk Cousins had a better situation in Washington than what he has here in Denver. I think offensive-wise, I think offensive line, since they had all the injuries, I don't think ours was that much worse. And I think ours can improve through the draft quite a bit. 
And playmakers-wise, I think we had just as many playmakers, if not more. And we're supposed to be getting a couple of them back from injury. So, again, I think this is a pretty good situation for a quarterback to walk into. Yeah, I I agree. I'm I'm. You talked about being a guy who would be happy with Rosen, Darnold, or Mayfield and kind of being a, a wuss when it comes to taking a stance there. I'm even a bigger wuss because you can throw Cousins in that as well. I'd be happy with any four of them. I think all of them are going to be good quarterbacks and all of them make the Broncos significantly better next year and going forward. All right, we got Paul here asking a question, and he kind of talks about what we were talking about earlier as it pertains to trading down. He says he likes Barkley, he likes Nelson, he likes Chubb. He he thinks they all make sense for the Broncos, but he thinks a trade down would be best. And we kind of talked about that as well. I think this is a draft class. You know, Your best options are a 4-3 edge rusher, a guy who's probably better in that 4-3 with his hand in the dirt. Not really a typical Broncos edge rusher. I know we kind of argued about this earlier. If you guys want to check it out. Has your piece been released yet, Carl? Not yet. Okay. I'm hoping it'll get released tomorrow. Okay. All right, yeah. So we kind of have a little bit of debate piece. I don't dislike Chubb at all. But just As far as it pertains to Chubb, though, that's a conversation that we should get to if the Broncos get Kirk Cousins because that's when everything else opens up. Until then, it's what quarterback. Uh, Nelson, Barkley, I, I agree with Paul here. We kind of talked about it a little bit. But I think the Broncos' best option is probably a trade back, in my opinion, at least. Yeah, I mean, you always like to to stockpile picks a little bit if you possibly can. And especially when you have a top five pick with quarterbacks that teams want, that usually gets you a lot more value than any other time that you try to move down. So there there is that potential for getting, say, the Buffalo Bills' first two, their, their two first-round picks and maybe their first-round pick next year. And to me, I think the Bills are an okay team, but I, I could see them maybe having a top 10 pick next year, especially with a rookie quarterback starting. So that might be a, a trade that's definitely worth it. And like I said, when this draft has got some good depth, and I think those picks, 21, 22, I think there's going to be some players that position some need that fit very good value. So, like I said earlier, Orlando Brown, I think he could be there. That would be a great pick for the right tackle spot. Uh, you have some other guys for for the defense as well that that could be there. Some cornerbacks, some some defensive line linebackers, everybody that just every, there's some really good opportunities. Uh, so this is one of those drafts. I, I don't mind getting out of the top five if we possibly can, but it's one of those. A lot of teams say they want to do that, and only a, a couple seem to be able to do it every draft. All right, well, we got another question here from Mike Middleton at Third Eye or at third underscore I 84. And this is a really interesting question that honestly we could potentially dive even more to next time. But the question reads, when you're watching tape on a prospect, what traits are you looking for to determine how well they will translate to the NFL game and also to Denver schematically? Well, this is quite the loaded question, but for me, there are three main things. It's technique, awareness, and overall athleticism. Are they playing technically sound football? Are they, you know, standing straight up as a defensive lineman and then getting blown back? You know, it has a lot of it. If they are succeeding, then odds are they're doing a combination of these three things pretty well. For Broncos specifically on defense, you're looking for first-step explosive interior defensive linemen who can get after the quarterback, edge rushers who are a little bit smaller and bendier for that edge. Linebackers need to be a little bit bigger because that 3-4 defense need to be able to take, take on some blockers and cornerbacks that are man cornerbacks. But it also has a lot to do with what Denver, the Denver Broncos need at a time. You know, we've been talking about it. You have a guy like Carlos Henderson already on the team. If you're taking a guy like DJ Moore earlier, 
who's very similar in terms of what they bring to the table. Does that make sense? I don't think so. So it's that kind of thing. This is a very, very big question that we could probably do an entire episode on because we could go position by position and just different things that we're looking for, such as, as many of you know, I'm a wide receiver guy. So there's, there's a lot of things I'm looking for with a wide receiver. I'm looking at their feet. How do they get off the line? Are they able to win in the hand fight to get open and early? Are they a hand catcher? Or are they a body catcher? That's a really big one for me because body catchers, I just, I can't stand them <laughs> because I don't think your hands get all of a sudden that, that much better when you get to the NFL. And you'll see those guys have a lot more drops in those big moments because they lean on, on what they trust and that's catching it in their body. And so I'm a big hand catcher kind of guy. Uh, I look for, do they, do they jump when they don't have to, or are they the type that can keep running as they catch the football? Because that, that's where the big yards begin to, to pile up for a lot of, a lot of wide receivers uh, route running. I'm not as big as I used to be just because most college wide receivers don't have a great route running, but it's still, can you see that foot quickness for them to actually have good route running as they go through? And those are just some of those things for just one position. And, but yeah, we could go through each position as, as we want, but there's a lot of little things that you look for of what you think is going to translate to the NFL. And, and even then, just because they show some things in college doesn't mean that they're going to all of a sudden show it in the NFL as well, because there's so many things that get more complicated. Uh, I've watched it with a lot of wide receivers where they're all of a sudden asked to run more than three routes and they're having to think through the route. And so they look really slow where in college football, they looked really quick and it's just, they're, they're overthinking things. They're counting their steps on every route. So that's what I saw with Latimer when he first came into the NFL and he's finally starting to speed back up to what he was in college. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a very big question. Yeah. Awesome. All right. And the last question we're going to get to is from Ryan. He asks, will the Broncos look to possibly draft players who didn't play for them or versus them at the senior bowl? LA seems to typically like to draft players who the team has met with during this time period, minus super prospects who declined to play in this game. And Ryan, I think that this is something that the Broncos will definitely look into as far as it relates to their in-depth knowledge of each player, their intimate knowledge of each player at the senior bowl. But I don't think it's going to make them lean heavier towards guys at the senior bowl. Also, this season has 123 players that declared early, which is an all-time record for underclassmen declaring. So while it, it, I think it definitely helps in regards to some of those depth players, like you're talking day three where you, you know a guy, you know how they practice, you know who they're going to be in the facility and everything like that, at least have a little bit better idea, that makes me a little think that those type of guys are more likely to be picked by the Broncos. But when it comes to day one, day two, day three, maybe even round four, not day three, round three, round one, round two, round three, maybe even early round four. I don't think it's as big of a deal, especially in this class specifically, because again, an all-time record number of underclassmen declared. Was that breaking in and out there? Nope, that was perfect. Okay. Of course it was. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. Google Hangout sometimes, I swear. All right, well, that will wrap up this week's episode of the Huddle Up 2018 draft show you can find carl on twitter at carl dumbler mhh and myself at nick kendall mhh also make sure you head on over to mile high huddle an affiliate of scout.com and cbs sports digital to find ours and our co-writers content 
not just related to the draft, but all things that pertain to your Denver Broncos. I released a piece this week on reasons the Broncos should not take Bradley Chubb at five. Carl's going to have one coming out here, the reasons the Broncos should take Bradley Chubb at five. And sticking with the theme of edge rushers, I actually sent in a piece today that had the Broncos or highlighted some day two edge rushers that the Broncos should consider if they look to go edge rusher in the draft class. And I will leave it to you guys to read to see which ones it was. Alex Valdez will also be complimenting the piece, releasing three day two guys of his own that fit the Broncos as edge rushers. You can follow the Huddle Up podcast by subscribing to us on iTunes and for Android users, Stitcher, as well as check us out on YouTube. You can follow us on Twitter at Mile High Huddle and at Huddle Up Pod. Again, please be sure to subscribe and rate us and reach out to us as we love interacting with fellow Bronco fans. For Carl Dumbler, I'm Nick Kendall, wrapping up another episode of the Huddle Up podcast, probably my last episode before I am in Indy, covering the NFL Combine for Mile Huddle and the Huddle Up podcast. We hope you enjoyed it, and we will see you all next week. Go Broncos and go draft. Mile High Huddle.